Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today we're talking options on contracts. And this episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. Let's get started. Building options into a contract can be a very useful tool. It removes hurdles because we don't have to renegotiate to put work on the contract. It, it streamlines the execution process, which again, this whole point is to support the mission and execute the contract, right? It, it also saves time because most options are, are unilateral, meaning that the contracting officer can just award them or, or execute them is the right term. And so it, this creates flexibility and, and both buyer and seller are going to appreciate flexibility, particularly when it allows for more effectiveness, i.e. being able to execute the, the contract more effectively. I, I use a, a lot of, I use now a lot of options and some of the agreements that we create for our customers for that very reason is it has an option in here that say, when you're ready for this, you just tell us, go. They're very effective in that regard. Before we get into what is an option in more depth, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Seth Engel. Seth is a public sector product manager at DocuSign, and he's out in San Francisco, California. I want to thank Seth for reaching out to me on LinkedIn to give me some feedback on how the podcast is helping him, plus liking and sharing our episodes. When we get feedback from listeners, one podcast listener at a time, folks like Seth are helping us make government contracting better, one contract at a time. Thanks, Seth. All right, back to options. What are options and why are they important? Options are just like they sound. They're, they're optional. You don't have to do it. And FAR Part 2 breaks it down like this. An option is a unilateral right in a contract by which, for a specified time, the government may elect to purchase additional supplies or services that are within scope of the contract. Oh, yeah, there's that. Has to be within scope. Let's not forget that. Or may elect to extend the term of the contract. So this gives me the right by snapping my fingers, actually by issuing a contract modification to exercise the option, I can buy more or extend the term of my contract. This is important because, like you said, it streamlines contract execution. You can add quantities or time without proposals, evaluations, negotiations, or competitions. You just keep going with the contract you have. And therein lies the opportunity, although therein lies some risk if you do it wrong. All right, back to the FAR. Options are in FAR 17, and it describes it specifically in 17.204. 17.204A says the contract shall specify limits on the purchase of additional supplies or services or the overall duration of the term of the contract, including extensions. And here's where we get into what I talked about at the very beginning. 204B, the contract shall state the period within which the option may be exercised. So there's only a defined period that you can say, I want more or I want longer. And that period for when you can exercise it has to be set so as to provide the contractor adequate lead time to ensure continuous production. So imagine this, you're, you're ordering widgets and you have an option a month before your final widget is to be delivered to deliver 100 more widgets. That works. 
you don't want to have an option that you can exercise a month after the delivery of your last widget for 100 more widgets. Because then the contractor may have stopped building those widgets and it's much more complicated. It could be expensive. So it's really just I want to keep buying more, not I want to buy more at some unspecified time way down the road. You have to lock it in. So the contract tells you how, how many more can you buy, when can you say I want to buy them, and let's make it make sense for the contractor. This issue of adequate time is one of the reasons that the clauses have fill-ins. So you have to let the contractor know within X days. Like to your point, you can't say, okay, I need this tomorrow. It's like, well, I kind of have to order the parts <laughs> before I can have it tomorrow. So that's an important element. If we're talking service contracts, FAR 17.204D says the period for option exercise may extend beyond the contract completion date for service contracts. Let's say the contract is supposed to expire on September 30th and you need the performance for the following six months. Having an option in the contract allows for that because that crosses a fiscal year. That's one of the reasons that you have the ability to do this specifically for services is the funding is a different type of, it's a different year of funding. It's just one of the reasons you're allowed to extend beyond the the current end of the contract. Otherwise, all service contracts would be one year long and you'd have to recompete every year. So, so it lets you <laughs> talk about getting nothing done. Right, right. The FAR does limit us, and this is 17204E. The total of the basic contract and the option periods shall not exceed five years for services. And the total of the basic and option quantities if for, for supply contracts shall not exceed five years. I said that really weird, but but it's five years for both. You can't have a contract that goes over five years, including the options, is what the FAR is saying there. The FAR also lets you know that options can be specified as increased quantities of supplies or services in terms of a percentage of specific line items, like I need 10% more of this, an increase in specific line items, like I need three more of these, or it can add an additional numbered option CLIN. So so you can just put more on your existing contract line items, or you can have new line items added as part of the option. And I always liked that because it wrapped wrapped up the old CLINs that I got to continue my contract on it with a nice clean start on a new CLIN. I think contractors might and some contract types might not have liked that because they like to have the costs all bundled together, but that's a different story. All right. We have that's what, that's why we have the episode called uh, "Accounting by Clin" because that's exactly what we're doing. And if you're not familiar with the Clin, it's an we cover those in episode number thirty-five. Yeah, contract line item number. If we're talking options for extension of the term of the contract, the option will either say the new completion date is March thirtieth instead of September thirtieth, or it'll say six months extension. Right? It's it's one one of the two is how it's described. When would you not use an option? FAR helps us out there too. FAR is very helpful today. <laughs> it says inclusion of an option is not normally in the government's interest when in the judgment of the contracting officer. I love that phrase, by the way. In the judgment of the contracting officer. Just in case we forgot this was a thinking job, it's, it's right there. So don't use an option if you judge as a contracting officer that you're not going to buy enough to cover the startup and production costs of doing it. So for for instance, it's not like you're buying cars off the line and you just want one more of what they're already building. This is where I'm buying something custom 
and I want an option to buy one more of something that they have to build from scratch. That might not be economically feasible to buy at the same price as they've built in a production line previously. Does that make sense? Yeah, the, the, the strategy here is is you're adding more of something that you're already doing. Hence the, the comment the farm makes about minimum quantity to cover startup costs and production. If, if you're making something from, from scratch that you hadn't made, but it's still within scope of the contract, that's a weird thing to do with an option because you're asking the contractor to basically change gears in the middle of the contract because of the option. The FAR used the words minimum economic quantities, which is somewhat self-explanatory. But but maybe maybe not. But we'll we'll oh, move boy. on. We'll move on from that, so we don't spend a whole podcast talking about minimum economic quantities. Far also says that if, in the judgment of the contracting officer, the foreseeable requirements involve delivery requirements far enough into the future to permit competitive acquisition, production, and delivery, you should not use an option. Which might be why a lot of the contracts are for five years. Is it the idea is it to, to put a contract where you have options for the next 50 years. It's like, okay, well, you're going to be able to do other stuff and compete the contract sometime in the next 50 years. So that, I think that's the logic behind this is that is if you're going to be able to compete this requirement and it's it, it, either it's not known well enough or it's known well enough that you, you'll be able to compete at some point in the future, you know, options don't go on forever. And as a contracting officer, I try not to read this part of the FAR too often, right? I, I want to use options to make my life easier. I don't want to get wrapped up in, well, I really could compete this and, and deliver it. So that was a judgment call part of the FAR. FAR also gets specific and says the contracting officer shall not employ options if, one, the contractor will incur undue risks. That is like the price or availability of materials or labor is not foreseeable. So you can't use it like like hedging your bets, like like for oil prices or something like that. You don't want to lock a contractor in to delivering something where the cost inputs could could vary wildly and you lock them into deliver me one more of these at $20, but now it could cost them $30 just to build it. Uh, you, you don't want to put a contractor in a bad position. And in a competition, Contractors are going to bid whatever you ask for, so it, so it's it's you have to be be careful not not to create a situation where you could drive a contractor out of business just to deliver on your options. Which is another reason you don't want to go too far out in the future. Because if you're asking me what's it going to cost to do an addition to a house now versus two years from now, based on the on the commodity prices that are going on right now, that's a that's a pretty hard thing to to push on the contractor. So yeah, that undue risk is is again judgment call. Contracting officers shall not employ options if market prices for supplies or services involved are likely to change substantially. That kind of piles on top of the undue risk. That would that would cause yeah, undue risk for a contractor if market prices were likely to change substantially. Yeah, the first one is about availability of resources, that kind of stuff. The second one doubles down on price. To your point about oil. It's like don't, don't oil consistently changes price, so don't expect to be able to get gas for three dollars a gallon forever. The last one: contracting officer shall not employ options if the option represents known firm requirements for which funds are available. I'll stop there. If you if you have the money and you know you're going to buy these, just put them on the contract. You shouldn't use options for it, unless there's always an unless. The basic quantity is a learning or testing quantity, which means, hey, I want to buy 
one of these or two of these. And if I like them, then I'll buy 10 or 20 more. But first, we got to prove it. I like that. We, we've used that on, on a, a lot of the contracts that, that, not a lot, but several of the contracts I managed in Special Operations Command is we would buy a couple of them and see, did this work? And then we'll buy more. Or the other way to use this is when you're doing a, a basically a two-step evaluation where the, you pay them for the product, evaluate it as part of the source selection process. And then when you like the three that you gave a contract to, you exercise the option to do more of it. So this is particularly effective because you know what the requirement is, but you don't know who exactly you're going to use for it. This is the part of the FAR you can use for that. Sort of like taking some of the evaluation out of the source selection, make them deliver, improve it, and they each have options. And then you only exercise the option for the one that makes sense. Correct. What it allows for is you're basically the contractors are getting paid to give you, in this case, half a million dollars worth of work. You're not expecting them to do that at risk as part of the proposal process, but you're also able to just exercise the contract you already have in place based on how well they performed giving you that half a million dollars worth of work. That makes sense? Yep. We'll pause here to talk acquisition time zones and execution time zones. On the acquisition time zone pre-award side, the government is thinking about options in the market research zone. Should we have four one-year options after our one-year base period for this service contract during the market research zone? That's where you're thinking about it. You incorporate that into the RFP, and that's what contractors are writing their proposals against. And then in the selection zone, you're evaluating their proposals, and you may or may not evaluate the options as part of the evaluation, but that's a different story. That's a whole different podcast episode we'll do later. <laughs> On the execution time zones, post-award, you're thinking options during the performance zone. As performance is winding down or as performance is, is ongoing, do you want to buy more? Are you allowed to exercise the option now? Is it within that option exercise period? Yes, let's do that. In the recompete zone, you're looking to see if, hey, last time we bought this kind of thing, did the options work? Was that a valid strategy? Or you might be thinking, I have an option I could exercise to extend this, or if I don't, if I'm not happy with performance or if things have changed substantially where it makes sense to to do this differently, maybe I should compete now and not exercise the options. And if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three, and the execution time zones are in episode number 84. Moving on to specifics on why the government cares. Options lock in the ability of the con of the government team of the contracting officer to, to buy more at the same price, uh, and, or to extend the period of performance of the contract and effectively execute and manage the contract more quickly, because we've already agreed on so many of these terms. Yep. No negotiations. No no proposal for no engineering change proposal, and then negotiations to add more work. It's just there. Issue a mod. Exercise the option. Contractor delivers. I also like options because as a contracting officer or again, on the government side, I can end the contract early. And, and in other words, more accurately, I can, I can not continue performance if the delivery isn't satisfactory. If I have a base plus four and in the middle of the second year, it's a train wreck, I can just not exercise the option. I don't have to terminate for convenience. I don't have to go through that whole exercise. I can literally just not move on with you. Right. Or if, or if my mission has changed. Yeah, that's if more positive. If this isn't what I really need anymore... I can stop buying this I, without terminating a contract. I can just not buy more, not exercise the options that I can move on to what I really need. Yeah, the, the argument is that it keeps industry honest because you, you effectively have to earn the right for the government to exercise your options. 
for the options in your contract. Yep. As a CEO, I always thought a contractor would be a little more cooperative if if they knew that that option exercise was still hanging out there. And it's more efficient. I mean, it allows the government to to not compete these new contracts. You talked about this a few minutes ago, like having to compete service contracts every year. That, that's a that's a lot. <laughs> that's a big ask, right? Uh, and because you have one year money, we talk about the colors of money in episode number three forty two. Uh, but there's a lot of times where service contracts, for example, it's all one year money. Options allow you to award a five year contract for something that you only get one year of money for. Every year, you exercise the option for the next year. All right, industry side, this is your chance to get more work, to deliver more, or to extend the period of performance without a competition. However, however, you, you have to remember, options are not guaranteed work. What do they say? Don't don't count your chickens before they're hatched. <laughs> that you can't say I have a five year contract. I mean, that's what you will say because it it's. You want to show to the world that it's not just a one-year contract. It's a, it's a big, long five-year contract, but it's really the potential for a five-year contract because right. those options might not be exercised. And they might not be exercised if you're performing poorly or you're making your customer mad. They might not be exercised if funding isn't available, if the government doesn't get their, their funds for the next year. They might not exercise it. Or they might not exercise for any other reason or for no reason at all. It's not actually part of your contract until the option is exercised. That's why it's called an option. Right. Like you said before, Kevin, from the contracting officer side, this is how the government can can sort of terminate you without terminating you. If they're not happy, they don't have to exercise the option. And speaking of terminating, let's terminate this podcast by wrapping up. <laughs> On the government side, remember, options can expire. Uh, they have to be exercised in the exercise by date. That's a basic element. And if they're not exercised on time, then they're not unilateral, which means now it's a negotiation, which kind of undermines the whole point of having yeah. the option. So yeah. on the government side, make sure you you time out your options appropriately. It becomes an engineering change proposal, and you may have to get a whole bunch of paperwork approved to add work to the contract that was already on the contract in an option. <laughs> you right. just don't miss that window. Exactly. That, that's the big lesson. That's the foot stomper. Industry folks, just remember... Options are not part of your contract until they're exercised and they have to be exercised exactly as it was proposed and negotiated, exactly as included in the contract. Otherwise, it is an engineering change proposal and it's something that's going to require a proposal and negotiations and take time and both parties have to agree to it. It's much faster and more efficient for the government if they just issue a modification to exercise the option as proposed or negotiated. The whole purpose of the option is it's a defined option. If there are pieces that aren't defined and you go to exercise it, it's, it's, it's a mess. And so understanding is it needs to be executed as planned. So why is this important? Because look at the options that are in your contract. Because if you think that they say X and they say X minus two, you can't argue that when they exercise it on you. When it gets dropped in your lap on September 30th and you're like, oh crap, I didn't realize I had to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Know what's in there. You can't negotiate it now. Yeah. Too late. It's got to be exercised as included in the contract. And with that, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right. I'll see you, Paul. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. You need help understanding how options work? Skyway's team of former contracting officers is here to help through custom consulting and training. 
Visit SkywayACQ.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. 